Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is just Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, just Cortland. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. <sighs> That's good. Keep hanging, bro. Just taking every day uh, one step at a time, man. Flugelschlagen. Let's yeah. go wing it. Sure. Never heard that before. What is that? German, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. The language of love. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Such a beautiful, beautiful language. It's gorgeous. How are you doing today? Um, hot. I'm doing hot. That's uh, awesome. I'm doing cold. Whoa. We're like yin and yang. A little bit, yeah. Upside down, right side up. Mm-hmm. We are smack dab in the middle of winter. You are sizzled up, burning <laughs> in Australia. I mean, you're not wrong. Nah. We're just starting season four today. Did you do anything exciting in preparation? I watched the first episode of season four. Oh my god. Very exciting. We should have had a watch party somehow. What would you have for an Are You Afraid of the Dark watch party? Like what kind of food? Yeah. Let's say it's the premiere of Are You Afraid of the Dark season Mm -hmm. four. What are you bringing? Spaghetti. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just spaghetti. Just spaghetti? Yeah, it's like cheap. no sauce, no. No, I mean spaghetti sauce, Brandon. <laughs> oh, okay. Just With spaghetti sauce. sauce? No. No it's... pasta. Yeah. Or... Oh my god, don't be literal like that, Brandon. Yes, I would bring spaghetti cooked to al dente perfection with mm. some jarred spaghetti sauce. Maybe a breadstick. I don't know. Ugh. No. You got to bring your A game. This isn't Are You Afraid of the Dark Party. This isn't the Super Bowl. You can't cut corners. No, the Super Bowl's this weekend though. I think. I'm pretty sure it is. Some sort of Sunday, I imagine. I believe it's this Sunday. But I don't know because I don't really care about sports at all. All Alright, well, we just lost half our audience. (sighs) Yeah, right, right, right. Not like you care about the Super Bowl either. Australia's not even in it, okay? What? That's crazy. They lost the playoffs or something. I don't know. Any sports terms. They didn't give us Aussies a chance. We could have gone all the way. I think you guys were disqualified because uh, they were all fighting fires or something over there. I don't know. I don't know the rules, man. So, yeah. I bring. What would you bring to Are You Afraid of the Dark Watch Party, hmm? Um, I think I would bring, like, a goat's brain or, like, a, <laughs> a pig's foot in a jar. Uh-huh. Pickled pig feet? I gotcha. Yeah. It would just be, like crazy vink shit oh you could bring like a bowl of soup i'd be okay with that just no, a that's bowl stupid of soup. and then no. when somebody takes it like a, a sip of it you'll be like that's a hundred dollars thank you so stupid it's not my fault that he made soup okay frank could have made him make anything nope liquid danger hey frank imagined nev campbell okay <laughs> he created her yeah <laughs> she owes her entire life and career to frank yeah, Frank conjured her up, and that was Nev. And then after the restaurant, she was in Party of Five. <laughs> and she was taking phone calls in Scream. I always forget that she was in Scream. That's like her main I thing. I know, it's like her thing. I keep forgetting that you've never seen Scream before. It's kind of crazy to me. <laughs> Is it that crazy? There's better movies that I haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, I assume. Sure. It's just such a, I don't know, such a staple. 
All right, let's list, list off every movie you've never seen. Indian in the Cupboard. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Moving on. <laughs> well, Brandon, we're starting season four already. Wow. I can't believe that. I never thought the day would come when we started season four, and yet here we are, waking up at six o'clock in the you fucking thought morning. thought this podca- podcast. podcast would crash and burn? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> We'd get to episode two and be like, forget it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is too much work. I'm done. I don't have time for this shit. This is dumb. No, I just, uh, it seems like it just came so fast, and yet yeah, we're already here. We're going to be halfway done with the season soon. I'm pretty sure in season four is when the halfway point is. Yeah, halfway with the series. That's crazy. I know. Unless they make more episodes this October, which could I hope happen. they don't. <laughs> Why? Nah, that would be cool, actually. Yeah, well. But, like, episodes, not a mini-series. No, I don't. I need episodes. Anthology. Yep, I agree. You think that that stuff is coming back, though, with, like, Black Mirror, and I think there's another one. Somebody emailed us saying Creeped Out or something on Netflix, so I th- I feel like this, and the Twilight Zone came back again, so mm-hmm. I think that this, this stuff is hot shit, you know? The time is now. Yeah. Come on, DJ. S- strike swiftly and true. Give us children's horror again, and more of it. Well, Brandon, do you want to get into this episode of Season 4? Let's do it. Alright, let's do it. So Brandon and I just got done watching Season 4, Episode 1, The Tale of Cutter's Treasure, Part 1. What did you think of this, Brandon? It was okay for half an episode, I guess. Yeah? You think so? Yeah, it was okay. Hmm. Not a lot happened, really. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I guess that's bound to be the case when it's only half the story, but... yeah. It's just kind of a lot of setup for what I hope is an interesting payoff. Yeah, I hope so too. I was watching it and I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> but I couldn't help but think of it as like Pirates of the Caribbean though. Yeah. It gave me that big that vibe. Which, I mean, it's I good. Mean, it's pirates. Yeah. This episode had a lot of casting choices and callbacks that I appreciated. Oh yes, I agree. But the actual events, the scenes, the plot, not a, not really a whole lot. No. I was thinking about it at work yesterday. I was like, I think I'd rather watch The Tale of the Hungry Hounds again than watch this again. No, you wouldn't. Shut up. I think I would. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Yeah. I think so, man. You want to wow. get into this episode, though? See what happens? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right. So the episode opens up with a camera shot that's higher than usual. It pans over the forest and into the campfire spot, which seems to have a lot of extra trees and just a big light right above it. Yeah. A little odd. You get to see more of the woods than we're used to. Yeah, but it just doesn't... I mean, I know that they have to rebuild the set or whatever every season, but it just doesn't seem the same. Which isn't that... It's not a bad thing. No. But the scene's not really important. They're in the woods, there's trees. Yeah, true. We hear Gary's voice immediately saying that tonight's a special night. Normally when we meet around this fire to tell our tales, each one of us have our own special brand of terror. And we see the kids they're funneling in from the path, and Gary's standing next to the throne. And he continues saying, some of us tell stories of adventure. And then we get a shot of Tucker, who looks a bit older. Probably like around like he 12 to 13 now. Yeah. He looks like he doubled in power since the last time we saw him. 
he looks um i'm hoping he's better this season he looks more mature yeah so he says others have tales of macabre and grotesque and we get a cut of betty ann she's smiling she got this sweet pink shirt on and this necklace that looks to be made of children's teeth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some tell stories about real people trapped in an unreal world. And Kiki walks from behind Tucker and she crosses her arm like she's upset or something. And she looks pretty grown up too. Like, finally. After <laughs> four seasons. Kiki, all grown up. <laughs> after four seasons, she finally looks older to me. And then from behind Betty Ann walks Sam, and Gary says, Or hero is searching for the truth. So, let's talk about these descriptions that he gives each person. Okay, yeah. Do you do you really feel that Tucker's stories gave a adventurous kind of vibe? Hmm, maybe Guardian's Curse a little bit? That's what I was thinking. Maybe Guardian's Curse, but only because mummies equal adventure by default. Yes, yes. But Midnight Ride... Not really. That's just no. an old horror story. And phone police is just dumb. Yeah. Pr- for, phone police is a prison breakout. That's not much of an adventure. No. That's drama. It's drama taka. Yeah. So strike on that one. Gary. Yeah. Uh, Betty Ann. I'm really, really not understanding where the stereotype comes from about her stories being gross and stuff. You know what? Acid melting ice cream is gross. What in her stories is so grotesque and disgusting that everybody's vomiting while she's telling her stories? I just don't know. I don't get it. The one part where Raymond's face was an alien's face? I don't know, man. This is like the third time it's been mentioned now. Yeah, but it hasn't been mentioned since season one. Uh, Actually, when Tucker first joined the club, he was excited to hear Betty Ann's story because he heard they were so gross and disgusting and hideous and terrible and all these things yeah that's true and kiki the real people trapped in an unreal world which i guess applies but you can say that about every story any story yeah like every story involves a person like what's this crazy shit going on this is crazy no one's like oh yeah it's ghosts of course yeah what's this unreal shit going on in my world (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'm unreal so yeah, I know. And Sam's is, I mean, Hero's Searching for the Truth. I guess that's in reference to Dream Girl, maybe. I mean, she told two stories. <laughs> one was about a, a hero searching for the truth, and yeah. one wasn't. One so. was about a hero searching for some whistles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, though? I looked at these kids, and I'm, I'm sure that this was, like, a really big deal at the time. They had, like, this epic two-part story and I feel like all of these kids are wearing makeup. Like, they are looking the best that they can for this this intro. And I think that sure. this intro is really good. Like, I like that yeah, they I liked introduce all the characters and give them, like, a quick little blurb about what kind of stories they like to tell. I think it was cool. Yeah. We cut back to look at Gary, and Frank walks from behind him as Gary tells the gang that no two stories are alike. And that's because no two of us are alike. And Frank p- pipes up saying... That's why two of us are telling the story tonight. Did you see this shit coming? No. That's a major breach of the code. I know. I feel like this this show is like, all right, here's the ground rules. And then they flip that table over and they're like, Kiki, uh, she could make Gary tell her story. And now there's two people telling a story. It's crazy. Yeah. 
It's wild. These established rules, they just don't even care. Yeah, just rip up the charter, doing something crazy tonight. So the cast didn't change this season. We got the same people we did last season. This is the first season that didn't make any changes. It is the first season, yep. And uh, I guess that's pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you feel about there not being any major changes at all? Well, I instantly hate all the new people because they're new. <laughs> yeah. Well. So, so you know, I'm used to having Sam there now. Uh, Tucker sucks, but I'm willing to give him a chance. Okay, that's good. See if he gets better. If Gary or Betty Ann leave, though, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> all right, man. But Kiki, you're like, eh, hey, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I like Kiki, but uh, yeah, me too. She's not a deal breaker. Well, we'll just have to see what happens in seasons five and six and seven. We'll see what happens. Ah. Well, Sam smiles and she says, "You're kidding. Why?" And Frank's like, "Because it's so major. It needs the best of both of us." And Gary says, "It's got magic." Frank adds in, "In mayhem, it's about an evil power so strong that it survived for centuries, waiting to rise up and spread its terror." Sam thinks this shit's excellent. Tucker calmly asks, what are they waiting for? He says it like a robot. He does. It was weird. Which makes me think maybe he has matured a little bit. Because last season, that was Tucker. He'd be like, come on, what are we waiting for, huh? Yeah, he'd be scrappy doing the heck out of everything. This time they were like, tone it down, Tucker. (laughs) And he was like, what are we waiting for? Beep, beep, boop. (laughs) Please get on with the episode. (laughs) <laughs> we have ads to run <laughs> they probably did too <laughs> well the kids all sit down gary and frank at the throne and gary says submitted for the approval of the midnight society we call this story and grabs a fistful of monkey bone dust throws it into the fire the tale of cutter's treasure they say it in unison yes i wonder how do. much it's they practice cool. this more than we do so they go to different schools and they probably don't have the internet <laughs> how do you think they coordinated right. on this story uh probably like through pen pal stuff <laughs> you don't think they were just on know, the man. phone dishing all night like twirling the cord in their finger like i mean oh, what happens next probably yeah you know what they were probably doing though it was probably like a tucker story that just didn't air and during the whole thing they were just like gary yo Let's sit next to each other and we could talk about making up a story. Yeah, that's probably it. They were just very rude and talked all the way through one of the other <laughs> Midnight Society members' stories. But uh, yeah, good opening. I was happy with it. Very fitting yeah. for a season opener. The episode opens up immediately on some sort of pirate's treasure map where, you know, like X marks the spot. And um, there's some, I don't know, adventure music playing or something. The map gets cut in half. And the camera pans down across a room that's got a chandelier in it. We look over at a door which opens up and some dingy looking dude with a dagger walks in. Yes, he is very unwashed. And he raises the dagger near his face. He looks so dirty. Ugh. Yeah, he rolled around in something before he came in here. For sure, yes. I mean, good job on the makeup. He looks like a, you know, pirate-esque person. But, man, he's dirty. So he's walking in there, he raises the dagger up near his face, and he walks up to something in a chair, whose back is to this guy, and then the guy says, I use this dagger in the name of all who fell to your sword, you devil. And he gives that dagger a smooch, and he rotates it in his hand, so 
you know, the pointy bit isn't facing his own face anymore. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a note down. I was like, he's holding the knife wrong to assassinate someone. Yeah. And I was going to be so clever in pointing that out, but no. He, and then uh, he drumstick <laughs> rotated yeah, he, it. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, it was This guy's cool. a pro. He was basically like in the labyrinth when David Bowie's got the balls. He's like, <laughs> even though that wasn't David Bowie, but you know, whatever. That was David Bowie. No, it wasn't. I watched the behind the scenes. It was some other guy that is good at juggling Shh. balls in one hand. <laughs> no, it was Bowie. He did everything. <laughs> well, this guy psychs himself up and he rotates the chair with, you know, plans on killing whoever's on it. And someone seems to have beaten him to it because the thing in the chair turns out to be a skeleton. Well, it's a bad plan to loudly announce your plan to kill someone anyway if you're trying to do it secretly. Mm hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if their back is turned to you, you have the element of surprise. So don't spoil it by being like, Oh, I'm gonna kill ya! <laughs> Got me knife handy! Oh, I'm spinning it now! <laughs> Here it comes! <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I would hope if I'm gonna be attacked that somebody's gonna be stupid enough to say stuff like that. I mean, you would hope, but for his sake... <sighs> Shut up. Kind of stupid. He's the Just only one in that room. stab him quietly and then take a shower. <laughs> so this guy with a dagger, he is shocked. And then somebody in the room starts giggling at him. And the camera whips over and we see this big guy in the corner. He says, hello, Ian. And Ian falls over to the ground. The dagger slips across the room. And Ian says, I warn you, the others will come. And this guy says, let him. I enjoy slicing in two filthy traitors like yourself. And at this point, we look over and there's some kid that's wandered into the room for some reason who also looks dirty. Why? <laughs> like Aladdin. <laughs> yes. As we say in every episode. Every episode. Some street rat kid. Back with Ian on the floor. He says, too much of us blood has been spilled for this treasure. And then the menacing guy, he jumps down and he says, and there will be more. I to guard this treasure till the day I die, Ian Keegan. Longer if need be. And we watch that kid. He grabs Ian's dagger and he just runs away. And Ian tells the guy that he's going to put a curse on... He's going to put a curse on you, Jonas Cutter. May this treasure never bring a moment's peace to your greedy soul. And Cutter takes out his sword and he says, And may your death be a bloody one. And he chops down and Ian screams. And that cuts into this other kid screaming and ducking away from a plastic sword chopping down. Pretty neat. Yeah, that was a pretty good transition. We look at this kid. It's like, it's daytime out and they're playing, like, swords or whatever. He's got this plastic sword and he says, Arr! Arr! Come back here, you scurvy dog! And then he chases after that other kid. He's threatening to run him through with his plastic sword. They do some sword fighting and then they hear some laughter, right? So they, they quiet down and they go to investigate. We look over and there's two kids on, like, a picnic blanket and one of them is Jet from the tale of the full moon. And he's talking with a girl. Yeah. It's pretty cool seeing him again. He was good in that episode. I liked him a lot more in full moon than I did in this episode. Not that well, it's bad in this episode. Full moon was a better episode. But. Yeah. <laughs> true. true, he's, true. Ju he's, he's just a pretty good actor. He is. I'll talk about him in, in just a little minute here. But he. Is sitting with this girl and he's asking her if she wants to come over tonight to watch some like TV or something. 
which apparently sounds fun, so she just agrees. We go back with those two kids. One of them's laughing, the other taps his shoulder, and they make a plan to do something to ruin this situation because that's what uh, little kids do, apparently. It's got to ruin everything. Back with the big kids, Jet, whose character's name is Rush in this episode, goes to hold the girl's hand, and we look over, and we see a sprinkler connected to a hose, and a hand turns the water on just as the two teenagers are about to smooch on the lips, and the water shoots out, the teenagers are pissed, and that stupid kid pops up saying, Our victory! And it turns out this kid's name is Max, as Rush yells at him. The girl's name is Sandy, and she's just fucking out of there. And then Rush chases after his little brother Max. Okay, sidebar. Yes. What the fuck kind of name is Rush? I don't know. It's kind of cool, a little bit. I mean, it's not the worst name I've heard, but this is this is a very season one kind of name. Hey, Rush Limbaugh is the only person that I know of. Oh, Rush. all right. I don't know who Rush Limbaugh is though. Was he a vice president or something? That's a that's a human being. Yeah. Everybody wants to be like Rush. Hey, Rush is a dog from Mega Man, okay? Yeah. I don't know, man. Max and Rush. These parents are so fucking rad. The parents? Yeah. Naming their kids Max and Rush. It is pretty cool. It's very... That's tubular, man. (laughs) Radical. Yeah, I will... uh, I agree with you. They wanted to make sure their kids were cool kids. Well, let's take a moment here, Brandon, and let's look at all of these characters and, like, the people that play them. Yes, okay. We're going to start with Rush, formerly Jed from The Tale of the Full Moon, and he is played by an older Dominic Zamprogna. A.K.A. Edward Furlong. Yeah, yeah. He looks a little less Edward Furlong this episode, but you know what? He's got a very good career. He's been in over 1,000 episodes of General Hospital. From 2009 to 2019. God damn. I mean, yeah. I know soap operas be like that, but jeez. I know, right? That's a lot of work. That is. And that's not, I mean, he's been in a lot of other things, too. I mean, he's a pretty prolific actor or whatever. But he's most known for Tale of the Full Moon, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's the number one in his biography. Yeah. Rush's little brother, Max, is played by Andrew Sardella. Who wasn't in much else except for fucking Book Mice. You ever watch Book Mice, Brandon? No, I've never even heard of it. Okay. It's this TV show that was on TLC a long time ago when TLC wasn't just reality shows. And um, it's about like three mice that read books or whatever. And there was this episode in Book Mice that for some reason scared the hell out of me. Because some witch came out of a book or something. And she started turning the Book Mice into cookies. And to this day, I don't know if the Book Mice survived. Damn. I know. That's scarier than some episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) I mean, nobody gets turned into cookies. (laughs) No, they get turned into pizzas that you take a pizza paddle. Yep. Pop them right in the the Bobcat dimension. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Emily Hampshire as Sandy, who also plays Stevie Bud in Schitt's Creek. Yes. Have you seen Schitt's Creek? No, I really want to. I just haven't I haven't watched it yet. Okay, Shit's Creek is amazing. I've heard only good things about it. Yeah. She's good in it. She's not my favorite character, but she's good. Well, you know what else she's in, Brandon? What? Brace face. Oh. I mean, yeah. cool. Yeah, right, right. I seen that and I was like, Oh, Brandon loves Brace Face. I'm gonna tell him that. <laughs> yes, I love Brace Face, okay? 
Secrets out. I know. Looking back at that opener, we've got Ian Keegan, and he's played by Chip Chuipka. I don't know how to say his fucking name. He was in a lot of made-for-TV movies, and also Snake Eyes with Nicolas Cage, and a movie called Highlander, The Final Dimension. It sounds like some kind of Highlander movie. Never seen any Highlander movies. Finally, we have Jonas Cutter, and he's played by Charles Dutton, who I recognized from Alien 3, but he's also in a whole lot of other things. He's very recognizable. Ain't nobody ever gave me nothing. Nah, he's got like this weird eye thing. I don't... He's a wannabe Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, he. that's what I immediately remind... Like, he reminds me of Forrest Whitaker immediately, and then I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's that Dutton guy. Anyways, back to the story. We see a sign that says Keegan's house. <laughs> it's like a name for a sitcom. Just so you know. <laughs> we pan over to like a beautiful brick two-story house. And we cut to Rush and Max, and and Rush grabs Max, he throws him to the ground, and he says, you're dead, Toe Jam. And then the parents of the episode call for Max, so Rush lets him off saying that he'll hammer him later. And Max just sticks his tongue out, and he runs after his brother. We look over at Mom, who hands Rush a check, and she says that this is a check for Mrs. Gregory. And Rush protests, and he says, we don't need a babysitter, because he's old enough to handle things. And then we look over at Dad, who's like, oh, really? Aren't you the guy who just said you're that you're dead toe jam? He is that guy. Yeah, but that's really weird that he heard all that because Rush basically whispered it to his brother, but whatever. Inside the car, Mom takes her seat and Dad gets in there too. And Mom's like, it's only for a couple days, so be good and wish us luck. And then Dad says, yeah, 75 miles a day, we're going to need it. And I was like, 75 miles a day? That's like two hours of driving. <laughs> it's not really that long no i mean later on that it's told that they're cycling so that's that's a lot different <laughs> but oh, I was, okay i missed that tidbit yeah they're they're on bikes but i was just like i'll give it to him then <laughs> how fast are you going like five miles an hour what <laughs> <laughs> we're walking <laughs> apparently yeah so the parents, they stroll out of there and we're left with the kids. And Max tells his brother that... This strawberry smells like fish. So, hold on. Sorry to okay. interrupt. No. Did you notice who the mom was? No, I didn't even look her up. She is the same woman from Crimson Clown who plays the mother. Oh, I hate her. The one you absolutely detest. Yes. I'm a little upset that I didn't pick her as my least favorite adult. So, here she is. In another Gary story. Already? So she's part of the Gary Cinematic Universe now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So you were right. She killed Sam. She <laughs> framed Mike. And now she has another family. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. No, I didn't even notice. I I tend not to focus at all on the adult characters unless they're more prevalent in the story. And these ones are like the least prevalent ever. Yeah. They're literally like, we're the parents, bye. Yeah, it's pretty much just like, hey, here's the check, bye. So, I didn't even look them up when I looked up the characters on IMDb. I was like, meh, parents, whatever. I didn't look them up, and I didn't look up Sam's friend at the beginning of the episode. Because I was just like, fuck it, who cares? Because he doesn't matter. Exactly. I believe his name is Tony, but I don't really care. Yeah, who cares? So the parents, they stroll out of there and left with the kids. Max tells his brother that... This strawberry smells like fish. And Rush is like, she ain't ruining my weekend. And the kids walk over. We cut to the outside of a door. An old hand grabs the knocker and then it knocks. And we see this old lady trying to look inside of that people. It reminded me of um, Apartment 214 when this happened. 
When are people going to learn that you can't look through the other side of a peephole? Never. So this old lady, she's old. She probably smells like fish. And the mail slot flips open and a voice says, Miss Gregory? And the old lady, she looks down and then she gets on her knees to talk through the mail slot like any sane old lady would do. I love this. It doesn't sound like an adult. It no. Sounds like, it sounds like Macaulay Culkin trying to pull some Home Alone 2 business. It's exactly what I thought. And one of those refrigerators yes! you have to open with a key. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, this is just Home Alone. <laughs> oh it is not convincing. Not in the slightest. So she calls into the mail slot and she says, Mr. Keegan, is that you? And the voice says, Ah, uh, yes. We decided not to go away this weekend. Um, the boys are sick. And she's she starts saying that she's really good at taking care of sick kids or whatever. But a hand pops out with a piece of paper. And it's got all these dots on it, like chicken pox or something. And it tells her that the boys have the measles. But, of course, they're going to pay her anyway. So this old lady grabs that check and she says, Oh, okay, thanks. Hope they feel better. <laughs> she just yeah, leaves. You don't you don't question that shit when you get that opportunity. No, hey, I don't blame her. We're gonna her. pay you to do nothing. You take it and you run. Yeah. The hand waves her away and that that old lady's just out of there. Inside the house the brothers congratulate themselves. They give they you know, high five, they're excited, and they're gonna be home alone for the whole weekend. And Max wants to know what they're gonna do first, but Rush is like, We ain't doing shit together Which upsets Max. And he's like, I thought we were a team. And Rush walks in front of a mirror. He fixes his hair, you know, 90s style. And he says, we were a team. You just got cut. <laughs> and Max is just pissed about this. He's like, come on. You said if I helped you, you'd let me do whatever I want. And Rush tells him that he can. He can go over to Tony's. He can stay up all night. Who really fucking cares? He's just, just stay away from him. So Rush walks away. Max follows him. And he's like, you cheated. I'm going to tell mom and dad. So Rush threatens his life. To which Max calls his bluff. So Rush folds and he says, well, what do you want? And Max tells them that he wants to do something together. And Rush laughs. He's like, forget that shit. He sits down on the couch and he asks Max what else he wants. Well, it turns out there is something else that Max would want. Oh. He pulls out a paper from his pocket and he shows it to his brother. And he says, well, there is something. Uh, this ad came in the mail yesterday and we get a good look at this paper. And it says that you can be a magician and you can do tricks and it has some sort of Sardo-looking motherfucker on it. And then the camera pans down the paper, and it says, Have the courage to walk through the new doors of Sardo's Magic Mansion for Shandu's Magic Kit. And I was just like, look at them throwbacks. That's pretty cool. It was The only thing that would have cool. been cooler is if Shandu was in the episode. Yeah, well, he's in, like, the Magician's Dimension or whatever. Yeah. He came back to sell a magic kit, and then he was like, out of here. Whoop, 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 whoop. And he force, force ghosted away again. Bushandu, I can too. And then left. <laughs> Rush says a magic set. And Max tells his bro if he gets him that sweet Shandu magic kit, he'll leave him alone all weekend. Pretty good deal. We cut over to Sardo's magic mansion. There's some people walking outside of it. And then we zip inside. Rush is already talking to Sardo. And we see... Shandu the Great's magic kit and there's this hand holding an apple for some reason. I don't I don't know why. It's a fake hand and a fake apple probably. Anyways, 
the camera pans up over some stuff and then it focuses on Sardo and Rush. And Sardo's telling him that this formula is very old, very powerful, a single drop of passion potion, and and then he drops a drop into a small cauldron and he's like, Look out! The two people they drop to the ground as the cauldron explodes and then bubbles over. Sardo gets up and he says, Perhaps I added too much ginseng. And Rush tells him, Look, I don't need a love potion, and he starts to walk away. But Sardo chases after him and says, surely there's something I can interest you in. Perhaps a flask of popularity potion? He already bought something. Stop trying to sell stuff. He did. Yes, he's got Shandu's magic kit in his hands. You already got his money on something stupid. Like, take what you can get. Don't push it. He doesn't even have a flask of popularity potion anyway, because Allison chugged that shit. No, he does not. Well, Rush doesn't want any of that crap. But then he sees a chest on display that says, open the chest and win a prize. So he asks what that's all about. And Sardo's like, oh, that? Forget it. But I do have some wonderful crystals. But Rush doesn't forget about that. He says, you get a prize for opening it? And Sardo walks over to the chest and he says, don't waste your time. He grabs a hammer and a chisel and he's like, I've tried everything. And he bangs on it a few times and he's like, look, doesn't open. Now, do you want to see our vomit? Always wants to sell that stupid vomit. Yeah, sell more super specs, bro. Exactly. I didn't see a single pair of super specs either. Those probably got discontinued and like buried in a hole in Arizona or something. So Rush, he walks up, he sets down his Shandu magic kit, and he walks over to that chest. He effortlessly opens it up, and then he just like shockingly says, Uh, Mr. Sardo, which stops Sardo in his tracks, and he, you know, says his... That's Sardo, no mister. Accent on the... And he whips around. He sees that Rush has opened up the chest. And he's like, you, you, you opened it. I'm shocked. I'm amazed. I'm rich. (laughs) And Rush asks what the big deal is. And Sardo explains that the man who gave him this chest said if anyone could open it, he would give him $5,000 dolls. I'm a collector, you see. (laughs) Nice save. $5,000 isn't really... Rich. I'm rich kind of money. Well, yeah, but it's very easy money. Yeah, I mean, it's good money, but it's not fuck you money. No, you're right. It's not like pack up the Magic Mansion, we're out of here money. Yeah. Rush asks what he gets out of it, and Sardo tells him whoever opens it gets to keep what's in the chest. So Sardo reaches in, and he pulls out like a dagger and a key, and Rush is complaining, saying that's it. And Sardo tells him, well, I didn't say it was a very good prize. And then Rush says, Rip, you can keep it. (laughs) Which is really funny because kids nowadays say Rip all the time. And this is 1995. (laughs) So I was like, very futuristic of you to say that. Yeah, Rush started that shit. I guess so. He's the one that inspired all those Fortnite players to be like, Rip. Well, Sardo tells the kid, nah, you gotta take this shit. And Rush tells him it's garbage. And then he grabs another thing from inside the chest that's like a spyglass. I didn't know what it was at first. He lifts it to his eye and he's like, this shit's busted. And we see the darkness from the broken spyglass. He asks what he's supposed to do with the broken spyglass. And then that transitions to him looking at the spyglass in front of a mirror. It was, um, yeah, whatever. He gives that broken spyglass to Max, who just seems to love it. Max asks what he means, because this shit ain't busted. 
And then we hear the doorbell ring, and Ma- Rush tells Max to go away. He fixes his collar in the mirror. He opens the door, and in walks Sandy, who says hi. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your magic chest opener. Thank you so much for listening to the show, whether you're new to the podcast or a longtime fan. Our show has seen a lot of growth recently, and I just want to thank you all so much for listening each week. With such a niche topic, Brandon and I really didn't expect to get many listeners at all when we first started. I mean, we were just doing this for fun. But now, seeing all the fans on Twitter and Instagram, as well as the ones who email us telling us we're doing a great job, we are devoted to finishing this series and figuring out what we're going to be doing next. We've talked, and we definitely want to continue podcasting after this show is over. With that said, we hit a huge milestone recently, 10,000 downloads of our show. Right now, we're actually a little over halfway to 11,000. And with such a milestone, we're probably going to be doing a giveaway or something soon, but I just haven't figured out what we're going to be giving away yet. So give us some time, follow us on Twitter at PRVT Island and on Instagram at Private Island Presents, because once the giveaway starts, all the details will be there. And of course, I'll announce it on the show. While you're there, take a look at all the hilarious content that we make for the show. If you just can't get enough of us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash private island. All tiers have instant access to early release episodes and bloopers from our episodes. You'll also be sent an Up All Night sticker. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Golden Bostics, Bryce and Kathy, and the Bronze Beth, Angela. Thank you so much, everyone. I'll have a link to all of our social medias, the Patreon, and so much more in the episode description. We've also got a Linktree link where you can find our merch store, YouTube page, and our Facebook group. If you'd like to help support us in another way, you can always leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. We love seeing new reviews, and word of mouth is also very helpful for podcast growth. Most of the podcasts that I listen to were recommended to me by either Brandon or my wife. And you know what? Everybody wins with Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Date Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork, and we hope you enjoy the new artwork for Season 4. Now, I'd like to play a promo for a really fun and interesting podcast called Just the Zoo of Us that I think you'll really enjoy. Hosts Ellen and Christian will give you new information about your favorite animals and give them a rating. New friends, this is Ellen Weatherford. Do you like animals? Do you enjoy arbitrarily rating things out of 10? Can you tolerate puns? If so, join me and my husband Christian over at Just the Zoo of Us for a weekly review of your favorite animal species. Just the Zoo of Us is available on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast apps. You can find us at anchor.fm slash just the zoo of us. See you soon. Thank you again for hanging out with us each week. For now, I'll let you get back to the show, and I'll see you next week for part two. Bye, everyone. We cut to Max in his room. He sets the spyglass down, and he starts playing with the Shandu magic kit. And just as he's checking it out, the spyglass starts to vibrate a bunch. And Max walks over to check it out, and then it starts spinning. And we cut back over to Rush and Sandy. They are awkwardly sitting on the couch. Very awkwardly. Yeah, pretty much everything is awkward from now on. 
and Rush tells her that he's glad that she came over tonight. And Sandy's like, yeah, me too. Rush asks if she's hungry, and she says, nah. And then Rush tells her that his parents are on a bike trip for the whole weekend, which makes that, like I said, 75 miles thing a lot more sensible for Dad to say. Yeah. He's like, so yeah, they're far, far away. And Sandy awkwardly laughs, and she's like, yeah, you told me. (laughs) It's so weird. They both clearly like each other. Yeah, I mean, they already tried to smooch on the... Yeah, they don't really know what they're doing. No, I guess it, like, captures it well, but I don't know, man. I just, I never had a kind of experience like this, really. I don't know. I've been dating my wife since I was, like, 17 or 18 or something, so. The kids, they fidget around for, like, 30 seconds, and then Rush looks at her and just flat out says, I don't suppose there's any chance we could make out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was floored by this. He goes from like, uh, maybe I can move my hand closer to you to just like, yo, baby, let's do this. Yeah, when this happened, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I was alone in my house watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I just laughed out loud. Yeah. It was it's, so uh, odd. It's crazy. And it works. It does work. Sandy smiles, the kids laugh, and then they go in for another try at that smooching shit. But of course, Max literally gets in the middle of them with that spyglass. And he's like, this thing's weird. It was moving by itself. So Rush, who's clearly pissed as hell, he grabs the spyglass from him and he's like, don't be strange. Which is, is that just a Canadian thing? It must be. But I think it's strange that people call other people strange. I do too. It's such a kiki thing to me and now just it's... I don't know. He lifts the spyglass to his eye, and now we can see some sort of, like, blurry graveyard. And we look at Max, who looks at Sandy, and he's like, were you guys gonna kiss? And then Sandy just smiles, and she looks down. Oh my god, Max. Shut the fuck up, Max. Out of here, Max. We cut into Max's empty room to check out that sweet Shandu magic kit. But, uh, actually, I was just kidding. The camera pans up, and we look at his window, which blows open... And there's just a bunch of fog that rolls into his room. There's a lot of cutting of scenes right here. Here's what happens for like the next 10 or so minutes of this episode. Okay. Rush and this girl are like in the living room like, ooh, should we kiss? Maybe. And then upstairs, the spyglass is moving or spinning. So repeat that like 80 or 90 times. Pretty much. Yeah, that was a very nice condensing. That's what we've got going on. All right, episode's over. We're done. That's pretty much it. Back with the kids, Rush tells him the spyglass is busted. Max is like, no, it ain't. It was spinning around, I swear. And Rush is just done with that shit. He says, look, I'll make you a deal. You go upstairs, you leave us alone, and I won't make you eat this spyglass. How's that? And Max gets wide-eyed, and he's like, that's a good deal. Good night. And Sandy says, good night, Max. And then to Rush says he's cute and rush says yeah like a teddy bear's cute max he's a festering sore now where were we (laughs) talking about festering sores gets me in the mood but sandy just nopes the fuck out of there she's like maybe i am hungry so weird i don't get it yeah she's acting strange she's so strange just smooch him don't though because he's not that cool 
He's no I mean, he's cooler than I am. If he had a podcast, I'd listen to it. He probably does have a podcast. Dominic, he probably does. Back up in Max's room. Max is in there. He closes the window that busted open. But then he hears like the closet door close behind him. So he walks over to investigate it. He opens it up, and there's nothing inside. He turns around, and then he gets scared by Rush, who just appears in his room right next to this sweet poster of just a bunch of different whales for some reason. Yeah, I definitely made a note about the whale poster. Got nothing to say about it, but he sure does have a whale poster. I want that whale poster. Did you see the shark poster later? I want all kinds of marine biology posters. Marine biology is awesome. I mentioned this in the tale of the Guardian's Curse, that sea monsters are the dopest shit. (laughs) But anyway, Rush asks what his problem is, and Max is like, why are you sneaking up on me? But it turns out that Rush was just getting some CDs, you know, like, put the mood on or whatever. Ooh, I got a CD by the festering source. Ugh, gross. Max walks over to his bed. He sits down. We pan over to the spyglass, which moves around again. Max gets up. He looks at it. And he's like, Rush. So back with Rush and Sandy, they're sitting super close to each other. And Rush asks if she wants to listen to some music. Or do you want to... And then the kids finally smooch and Rush just like drops the CDs in his hand to the ground because he's, I don't know, turned on or whatever. Back with Max, the spyglass has now fallen to the floor, so he goes up to pick it up very slowly. It's near his bed. The door behind him closes. He looks over and then a gloved hand reaches out from under the bed. It grabs his leg and starts laughing and Max screams and he's pulling away and then, oh, he doesn't grab his leg. Never mind. It doesn't matter. The glove comes off with him when he pulls away. Max looks at it, and then a skeletal hand grabs his leg. He screams a bit, and then the thing under his bed laughs. He screams for Rush as he gets yanked under the bed. We go into a commercial, and they probably have a whole bunch of ads from 1995 that are really awesome that we don't get to see. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Freaking Dunkaroos. Skechers. Gushers with the weird head things awesome stuff max slowly gets pulled under his bed he's screaming we cut to rush mid smooch and he's like oh now what and sandy says that she should go but rush is like oh no you stay right there sandy seems into rush but she also seems to be looking for any excuse to get out of the situation yes it's odd like any anyone could just be like hi and she's like oh i gotta get the fuck out (laughs) what's that oh my mom's calling me yeah, it's like I get it. It's that nervousness or whatever of being in like a, a boy's house alone with no parents. It's which is kind of weird at that age anyway. So like I totally get it. But yeah, she's just like, oh, uh, I gotta go. My feet are cold. You know, like yeah. Well, just follow your instincts and go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't stay here. Oh my god, it's crazy. So rush runs up into max's room which actually ends up being max and rush's room so i didn't notice i was wondering it is yeah they uh, i was like do they both have whale posters (laughs) these boys are just way into whales whales are pretty great i like whales yeah me too so rush is in max's room which is also his own room and he's yelling at max asking what the problem is and max is like oh shit there's a skeleton under my bed look look so He lifts up the covers, looks under the bed, and of course there's nothing down there. So he leaves the room. Max follows. He's going on and on about the skeleton. 
Back downstairs, it looks like Sandy has just gotten the fuck out of there. <laughs> Rush is really pissed. Smart. Finally. Yes. So Max says that they gotta call the cops because of the skeleton thing, but Rush yells at his brother, and he's like, look, you little snot, I'm tired of you messing everything up all the time. And Max tries to tell him about the spyglass, but Rush is like, shut the fuck up. I don't care about your stories, I don't care about your problems, and I don't care about you. I hate you. Get out of my life. That's harsh. It reminded me of At the same time, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was thinking, oh, this kid's definitely getting kidnapped. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. It's really hard for me to feel sorry for him when we are introduced to this character pretty much by having him turn a sprinkler on his brother and girlfriend. Like, that's just a shitty thing to do. I know. I thought the same thing. He starts out a little shit. So it's like, yeah, I I don't like him. I see why you don't like him. So yeah, curse him for the goblins to take him, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. As like a little brother myself, like I get what it's like not to have them want to, you know, hang out with you or whatever. But at the same time, you've, you ruined like his first kiss, or presumably, and you can't just, I don't know. Yeah, you know I think uh, Gary's stories have a bit of a theme. Yeah, these little brothers days. are shit. Little shitty brothers who ruin their fucking romantic lives. Yep. That poem was private, Tucker. Ugh. Max, he sits down on the couch. He, he covers up as we hear some spooky noises for some reason. We switch scenes, and it's it's Rush, and he's in a really blurry graveyard, right? It's pretty dreamlike, and he's calling out. He's like, who's there? While he's walking around, he sees some door to a mausoleum or something. So he walks up to it and then he backs up and we see the ghost of Ian Keegan who says, it is you. You're the one. And Rush asks who he is. And Ian then says that he wants, God says, what he wants is not what he desires. And then he says it again because Rush didn't understand. And then he says, don't be fooled. The door to the mausoleum unlocks. And Ian disappears and he says, remember me words. Whatever, dirty ghost. (laughs) You know, I don't remember a single thing about this episode, but I do remember him saying, what he wants is not what he desires. And I don't know why I remember that. Because that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Maybe it'll make sense in part two. But Rush tries to run, but then some vines wrap around his legs. The door behind him opens up and somebody steps out. And it looks like it's Cutter. Is it Ron Oil? Oh. It's not. No. It's not. Maybe we'll see the graveyard again next next episode and we can see if we can find Ron Oil. But no, it's Cutter. And he's like, I'm waiting for the battle, lad. Are you a match for me? And a skeletal hand with just this big blue ring on it tries to give Rush a shoulder massage. So he screams and then he wakes up and it was all a dream. We're good. We're safe. It's possible that Cutter's ring is uglier than the ring in Tale of the Dream Girl. It is quite possible, yes. (laughs) Do you think that Cutter died because that ring was in a car that was, like, gonna get hit by a train and he was like, my precious ring! Perhaps. (laughs) It's always an option. Rush is awake now. He looks around. He shares this room with Max. He's got a bunch of really weird posters on his wall. Really weird posters. Anyway, he grabs a spyglass and he looks through it and he sees the cemetery again from his dream and then he looks at it he looks at the spyglass again and he sees himself walking through the cemetery which is pretty cool i liked that yeah it scares him though 
It's like virtual reality. Yeah, right? Oh, speaking of which, I haven't used my VR set in over a year now. I should. should. Out. There's some tight stuff. I know. I gotta get some ginger pills, though, or something, because uh, I get motion get, sickness so bad. Get Astrobot. Oh, I should. I hear that game's amazing. Anyway. It's really good. We cut to the Magic Mansion. Rush is in there. He's demanding to see Sardo. And then we... Oh. He demands to see Mr. Sardo. And then we get that sweet line again. It's Sardo. No mister. Accent on the dough. Uh-huh. And Sardo gets... Uh, we know. Sardo gets really excited to see Rush. And he tells him to take the rest of this crap in the chest. But Rush is like, no. You keep it. I don't want it. So Rush leaves the shop. as Sardo's like, no. What about my 5,000? And then we hear another familiar voice telling Sardo to let him go. And Sardo turns around and a vinked-shaped someone comes up <laughs> from the back room. <laughs> and he's saying the items belong to him. He's just not ready to accept them. And this vink-sounding motherfucker lifts up a cape in front of the spyglass. He lowers it and then the spyglass is gone. He pulls a roll of bills out of his pocket and he says, The boy will be back. And when he does, send him to me. And he starts to hand the money to Sardo, but then he takes it back, and Sardo smiles, and then he kind of looks pissed off. So, we have Vink and Sardo in one episode. Yeah. So, this, I imagine, is a big deal for Are You Afraid of the Dark fans. I think so. Sardo and Vink together in the same scene. Yeah. So, this is two Vink episodes in a row. It is. Yeah. I don't hate Vink, but... It's a bit too much Vink. Well, yeah. (laughs) But whatever. I mean, I guess at the point of airing, this would have been months in between Vink appearances. Well, we cut back into the Keegan's house and Max opens up the door to their room and he says, hello. And he walks into his bed. His window crashes open and some sea shanty music starts playing. Max looks out his window and then seems to be in like a daze or something for some reason. I don't know why. It's the shanty. The song of the sea lab. <laughs> he walks outside and then on the stump is the spyglass, so he looks down at it. We cut to Rush. He enters his house. He calls for Max. The door slams behind him and he walks upstairs. Back with Max. He picks up the spyglass and then looks out on the water and sees some dude rowing a boat his way. Back with Rush. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah in the room he calls out for max and then we see a sweet poster of a bunch of sharks on it and it's awesome Whoa. it is the raddest poster what is your favorite kind of shark i always loved the hammerhead sharks but i think it's just because they were different i think my actual yeah. favorite's probably tiger sharks though whoa that's my favorite too <gasps> oh my god you want to be best friends shark bros <laughs> what what shark brothers Rush hears the noise from the closet, so he slowly walks over to it. He opens the door, and there's nothing in there. That's the second time in this episode. Yes. yes that there's, is. like, noise from the closet, and they creep on it slowly, and you're waiting for a jump scare, and then... Pfft, nothing. Yep. Well, at least this time, he rustles around in the, lo- in the closet for a second. He moves some shit around, and then he looks at the inside door to the closet, and there's a dagger holding up a note. That says, Ah, a note. (laughs) This is no dream. The boy is mine. So Rush calls out, runs out of the room calling for Max. Because now he's, I don't know, brothers in danger, I guess. (sighs) Back with Max. The dude rowing the boats coming closer. Back with Rush. 
He's downstairs. He's calling for Max. He looks out the window, sees Max, and then runs outside. Now, I thought for sure that Max was going to be, like, getting in the boat by the time that Rush ran down to him. But that's not what happens, because Max is no. still just standing there, looks to be in a daze still, and Rush rushes up to him. <laughs> I'm funny. And he's asking him what he's doing, and he looks out, and he sees the, the rowing guys, like, made it to the beach. Apparently, they have beachfront property. Probably really expensive. You know, honestly, it reminded me of the the place in Captured Souls. At oh, the yeah, very beginning, point, yeah. when they were playing Pirates, I thought it was the same location. Rush walks over to him, and he's like, my father's going to be here any second. And the guy in the boat is not moving at all. Like, not even breathing at all. It's very clearly, like, a dummy or something. because he didn't use the talk boy this time. No, he didn't. He must have been <laughs> ran out of batteries. It's me, the father. <laughs> Rush reaches out for him, and he's like, look, pal. And then he turns the guy over, and he's a skeleton. <gasps> mm-hmm. And Rush, he freaks out. And then the skeleton, like, we get this shot of the skeleton's face, and it materializes into this dude's face. And it looks pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. The guy laughs. He stands up, and he says, your father ain't here, but I've come for the boy. And he laughs. So Rush runs over. He grabs Max, and the two run into their house. Inside, Rush says that they gotta call the cops. Max still seems to be a bit comatose. And then out jumps that fresh, not-skeleton dude. And he says, there's no use in running. We got you now. And the kids turn they to run out the door, but the door opens up and in walks Jonas Cutter. Who says, did you really think you had a chance against me, Skipper? And Rush, uh, I like this part because Rush tries to, like, protect his brother a little bit. And he's like, who are you? And Carter yells for Mr. Noise, I think his name was. I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, that not-so-skeleton guy, he holds on to Rush. And Cutter gets close to him and he says, after all these years, you're nothing but a young pup. So be it then. And then he laughs a bit. And Max, he's still in that daze, walks over to go stand with Cutter. Cutter picks him up. <laughs> <laughs> like hoists him under his <laughs> under his arm and and rushes like leave my brother alone and cutter's like yeah that's not gonna happen take a good look skipper it's the last time and then he laughs and he hauls his brother out of the room and the dude holding rush just vanishes and then rush runs outside what does cutter want with a young boy anyway i don't know man we're gonna probably find out in part two i have no idea i don't know why he's in a daze i don't know what he wants with him I don't know anything about what's going to happen. I know nothing. Rush runs to the water and the boat is being rowed away and Cutter's in there with, uh, you know, not so skeleton dude and Max and Cutter yells, you should have rowed, Skipper. I always win because I make the rules. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know know what's going on. Rules to what? Is this a game? I don't have any idea. I don't know. Are we losing? <laughs> How many points do we have? Uh, Cutter's up like 30 points now, I guess. Damn. Rush calls for Max, and then this giant cloud of fog rolls in, and Rush, he runs to the water. He splishes in it a little bit, but they're gone. So he walks back up to shore. He picks up that spyglass that's just sitting in the sand. He looks into it. And we see the mausoleum door close as Cutter laughs. Well, time to call his girlfriend. 
<laughs> I guess they can get the smooching that now. pesky brother situation has been solved. Well, we head back with the Midnight Society. Thunder crashes, and Sam's like, Aw, oh, snap, we're gonna get dumped on. And Betty Ann's like, talk faster, boys. What happens next? She wants her goddamn story. She paid She cleared her this. schedule for this. Exactly. She could have been hanging out with Kristen, but no. Frank's like, Rush could only think of one thing to do. So he decided to... But then he's interrupted by a crash of thunder, and then it starts raining a whole bunch. And Tucker's like, it'll pass, just keep going. But Gary says, sorry guys, we gotta finish it another time. Pass. Keep going, please. Please, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> I am mature now. <laughs> Tucker, Tucker complains, saying that the story was just taken off. And then the kids run away, and it says to be continued. When I heard this was going to be a two-parter, I had a feeling that it was going to be rain that separated the episodes. Yeah. What else could it be? Like, Gary and Tucker's mom being like, boys! <laughs> Gary just being like, I'm tired. <laughs> Never mind. This story sucks. <laughs> I gotta think of the rest. I didn't finish it. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, the tale of uh, Cutter's Treasure Part 1, Episode 1, the beginning, and... It was a long episode and not a lot happened. Yeah. The spyglass moved. Spyglass moved. Jed smooched a girl, finally. And mom and dad are gone. And Miss Gregory smells like fish. Yeah. That's the episode in a nutshell. I was really upset with this episode because, like I said, it took me like two hours to do my notes for this thing. Um, and also nothing happened. And I was just like, this is not a great Time investment versus entertainment ratio. Yeah. Well, I have to imagine that part two is where all the interesting things happen. It's just it's a lot set be. up. A lot set up here. It makes me wonder how like every episode isn't an hour long. Well, what do you think is going to happen in part two, Brandon? Huh. Let's see. I think Jed... <laughs> I think Jed is going to have to go inside of the spyglass. Really? That's what you think? I mean, I get that ghost. You don't know. I mean, they're ghosts, so maybe. <laughs> I guess. They did get to that mausoleum awful quick. See, you go inside of the spyglass by looking on the wrong side, which was foreshadowed. Mm. With Miss Gregory. Miss Gregory. Wow. You thought, wow, she was dumb, but it turns out she knew the secret to get she to the did. ghostly mausoleum. You know what I bet's going to happen, Brandon? I bet you that. He's going to go back to Sardo, and they're going to have some talking, and Vink's going to show up and give him the dagger or whatever and tell him that he's got to... Vah, vah, vah. <laughs> yeah, he's a nutbag. And and he tells him, like, he's got to stab Cutter with the dagger, and then he's going to look in the spyglass, and it's going to transport him to the um, cemetery, and he's going to see the ghost of, of Ian Keegan, who's his, like, great-great-great-grandpa, and... That's, uh, he's gonna go and kill Jonas Cutter and save his brother. Well, I think all of that sounds highly unlikely. Yeah, you're right. It's probably just gonna, the next episode's just gonna be half an hour of him just sucking face with Sandy. It's just gonna be odd, wet, like... Ugh. Ugh. The whole episode. No thanks. So what do you think the moral of this story is, Brandon? Uh... I know, there really wasn't a story, was there? <laughs> <laughs> if you're it a little wasn't... brother don't be a shit 
I mean, yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, that's true. It's not really a moral. Moral of the story. Um, don't go to magic shops. Yeah. Uh, don't enter free giveaways. Although we did enter that one free giveaway, and we run we won an Xbox 360 from Burger King, so maybe that's not really that great. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes you win an Xbox 360 from Burger King. I got nothing. We'll just do a moral after part two, and we'll see what the the overall moral of the story is. Yeah. Don't tell a ghost story with your friends on a day it's supposed to rain. Plan your story so that they can resolve in 22 minutes. Yes. Hmm. The Tale of Cutter's Treasure. Part one. (laughs) What a boring name. Let's think of a better one. I got one. The Tale of Cutter's Treasure. All together. Not just part one and two. Yeah. It's a slog, but, you know, gets the point across. Um, Tale of the Dirty Ghost. Oh, so dirty. The tale... I don't know, man. <laughs> this episode really didn't give us anything. Tale of the Festering Sore. <laughs> oh. Uh, I don't know, man. The Tale of Awkward Teenage Love. I don't know. Tale of the Fishy Old Woman. Ugh. Ugh. Take a shower, Miss Gregory. God, you smell like fish. That's about all I could think of. Like I said, this episode didn't give us much. Yeah, the name's perfect. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> Just like the episode. I honestly do like the tale of Carter's treasure. I think it sounds um, exciting. It's so evocative. It better be exciting. Sounds yeah, adventurous. Okay. Sounds like the kind of story Gary would like, you know? Sounds like the kind of story Tucker would like. That's true. He's apparently the adventurous of the bunch. Well, Brandon, we have to wait a whole week to figure out what's going to happen. I can't wait. I can't either. I'm going to go to bed now. So that it'll be closer to when we can watch part uh, Only two. seven more sleeps. <laughs> oh, man. I've been up all night, though. I'm going to go to bed, Brandon. I'm done. All right. Good night. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. It smells like fish.